0: The following audio is from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Acts is available at actschurchleander.com. So we will be in John, book of John, chapter 8, verses 12 to 20, and you'll be able to read along up on the screen. So Jesus says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. because his hour had not yet come. Good morning. How we doing?
1: Good. It's good to be back. I haven't been here in a while. And um, uh, been all over, traveling the, the country. And, uh, but it's good to be back with Jesus Is, right? This is our series, Jesus Is. And uh, actually, this is the third person. But in the first person, you heard it in the, the chapter we talked about, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And every, uh, every week for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the different ways Jesus says, I am. Now, we've got to do some background in case you missed the last uh, couple of weeks or missed two weeks ago when we, we talked about the, where it comes from. But this comes from um, Exodus chapter 3, where, where Moses is in you know, the, the wilderness, and all of a sudden he sees this burning bush, right? And he says, what should I call you? And the bush says, I am who I am right? In like a Morgan Freeman kind of voice, right? But like, uh, like the voice of God, right? And that's this all-encompassing, like, name for God, I am, meaning it literally in Hebrew was translated Yahweh, but that becomes the holy name of God, I am. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, People were making the connection of, whoa, 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 this guy's claiming to be God, right? And so that's our series of of this, and we have to really dig into this because these statements are all kind of modern-day statements, right? Uh, Everything, they're they're just common elements. Last week, we talked about uh, I am the bread of life. Matt did a great job with that. If you missed that, you can listen on the podcast. Today is light. Of the world. Uh, I think next week is, is the Good Shepherd, and then next week is, I think, the Vine. Um, but we're talking about all kind of common ele- elements that people can relate to that describe Jesus' character. But in front of that, he's saying, I am. So he's saying, in, in essence, I am God. And at this, this time, the original audience, would their ears would perk up, and they'd say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did he just say what I think he said? Um, I think so. Now, let me put this in context, what if I said to you, I came up here on stage and I said, I am the inventor of the internet, you're welcome, right? Now some of you might, first I'll say, no, no, you're lying, because I know Al Gore invented the internet, right? Yeah. Uh, some of you might say, whoa, 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 Grant, you are crazy, you are a nut, you're a lunatic, I know you didn't invent the internet, right? Uh, and you might just think I'm just this crazy person if I, if I continue to spout that off. Some might say, whoa, you're a legend, man. That's, that's pretty awesome. And some might just actually believe that, right? That I actually did, and maybe I could back it up with some facts or whatever, but, but you're going to come to some conclusion about me based upon my testimony to you, right? And that's what we're going to look at today, is how Jesus uh, appears to certain people and what they think of him based upon this statement that he makes, I am the light of the world. Um, I want to open this up. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote this great book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Anybody heard of it? Yeah, it's the, the beginning of the Narnia series, and um, there's this video where they, uh, the, they made the movie. It's the dialogue in the book, and he's actually writing this book for his grandkids to tell about Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I read this book when I was in third grade and had no idea of the connection, but then I had to read it again in college, and it was amazing that this whole book, the whole story of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is all this story about Jesus and, and faith, and it's, it's amazing. So to set up this clip, um, uh, there's four brothers and sisters, and uh, three of them come to their, their uncle, their professor, and they claim that one of their siblings is crazy, right? Because she's found this wardrobe in the back, or the, uh, this, this tunnel that leads to this magic land called Narnia in the back of this wardrobe closet, right? And so this is the dialogue they have, so... What's this.
0: You seem to have upset the delicate internal balance of my housekeeper.
1: We're very sorry, sir.
0: It won't happen again. It's our sister, sir, Lucy. The weeping girl. Yes, sir. She's upset. Hence the weeping. It's nothing. We can handle it. Oh, I can see that. She thinks she's found a magical land in the upstairs wardrobe. What did you say? Um, The wardrobe, upstairs. Lucy thinks she's found a forest inside. She won't stop going on about it. What was it like? Like talking to a lunatic. No, 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 not her, the forest. You're not saying you believe her? You don't. Well, of course not. I mean, logically, it's impossible. What do they teach in schools these days? Edmund said they were only pretending. And he's usually right, the more truthful one, is he? No. So
1: this would be it. the first time. So that's our. Uh, so as you see, he's making this argument for Jesus literally um, that people can either take Jesus as a liar, as a lunatic, as a crazy person or actually believable as Lord, right? And we're going to add one more in there as legend um, that they didn't mention in that. But, but this is a controversial statement. To say that Jesus is the light of the world, to say that Jesus is the only way to salvation, to say that, that he is the bread of life, to say all these statements is pretty big, and we've got to wrestle with this. And so maybe you're wrestling with this. Maybe uh, you, you're uncomfortable with this because, you know, it sounds too exclusive or, or, or whatever. Um, but this is the central thing, right? This is the central thing of Christianity, we've got to wrestle with this. We've got to either affirm this or wasting our time every Sunday and, and for the rest of our week in believing this, right? So we really have to own this and, and, and deal with this. And, and our hope, my hope for you is that you really affirm this and that, that Jesus would v- reveal himself in this if that's kind of a question for you um, or, a, or um, just something that you're unsure of um, in that way. So let's talk about this. Jesus is the light of the world, this statement, all right? for, for this modern-day group of us, that's not that big of a statement. We've got light all around us, right? Natural light, we've got artificial light. We, we can always be in constant light, right? But for the original hearers, the original audience of Jesus' time, that was a pretty big statement. Think about it. If you had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you were in pitch black. You had to light a little lantern or light a candle or, or something, right? If you're walking down the street at night, there were no streetlights, right? You had to rely on your torch or your, your lantern or maybe just from the moon and the stars, right? Um, and so darkness was a real thing to them, right? Just spiritually and physically. But for us today, we've got light all over, and I brought with me uh, a light. And sometimes I do projects in my garage, and sometimes the light I have that is provided just isn't enough. And so I've got this one. Let's see. It was working. Ah, let there be light. So I'm just going to leave that there for the rest of the message. Is that good? It's kind of how I feel up here sometimes. But uh, yeah, uh, think about that. Like, that enables us to do projects, enables us to, to see things more clearly when it's just not um, light enough. And it has a purpose, right? It illuminates things. It helps us see imperfections on walls if you shine it, you know, and you can see kind of the the cracks or uh, it helps us find things. It helps us show us the way. Um, But I also brought with me this. And this is my nightlight, all right? Yes, I do have a nightlight. Uh, This is actually, I put this in my bathroom. And so when I get up in the middle of the night to go pee, uh, this helps me see the way so I don't have to turn on all the bright lights and just totally be like, you know, but... uh, uh, but this only has, it says right here, it only has .03 watts, all right? So it's very dim. I don't know if you can see that. Can you see it? Wait. I'm trying to cover up the little sensor. It only comes on when there's no light, but anyway, it's the perfect amount of light that I need at night, right? And so even though it's, it's not quite as bright as this one, it still serves a purpose. It helps illuminate, helps me see, helps me... Uh, not miss the toilet, right, at night, all those kinds of things, right, or trip over anything. And so light matters. Light is valuable to us in so many different ways. And so these first century hearers would hear this in a way, but they'd also hear this in a different way, because the context of this verse that we just read comes from, um, it's during a, a festival, all right? So at that time, in uh, John 7 is where it tells us this, that Jesus is at this festival with about a million other Jewish uh, people. And at this festival, uh, there's, it, it's called the Festival of Booths or Festival of the Tabernacle. All right, so in the Jewish times, there were three main festivals. Anybody know what they were? I just told you one of them. What were the other two? Passover was one, and we still celebrate it today just in a different way. Pentecost. Yeah, Pentecost. So look up here. We've got this slide. Um, and it kind of s- shows you these three uh, yearly festivals. And these yearly festivals were, were meant to remind the people of what God had done in their lives. And so this festival of tabernacles is in the fall, and it was right after harvest season. And so they, they would harvest all their crops, and they'd store it away for winter, and they'd, they'd have a big, giant party. And everyone would travel from the small towns to Jerusalem, and they would set up their tents. All right, they would set up their tents, and they would just be tented all around the city tabernacled, or or booths, as they would call them, and it would remind them of the time that their people, their their ancestors were wandering in the wilderness, right? For 40 years, they were wandering in the wilderness. They had no home to call their own because they were exiled, and and so they were trying to um, remember this, how God is faithful, how God delivers them, and how God provided for them, as we talked last week, with bread of life every day with the manna. And so... This is the context where Jesus is at. So part of this festival is in the center of the the courtyard. They would light this big, giant menorah, and it would be this um, uh, bright light to remind them of... uh, In Exodus 13, there was this pillar of of fire that, that illuminated and helped them see... And so there was this great light that shone for the whole festival. Now, this festival was like a whole week long. It was like a big, giant party. It was the most joyous of all the festivals. And it was like, almost like, um, if you've heard of Burning Man Festival, it was like that, like where everybody just comes and, and tents, and I got a picture of it. That's kind of, it's just in the middle of the desert in, I think, Utah somewhere um, that people come every year. Now, that's one big, giant party, maybe not as big a party in Jesus' time, uh, not as crazy, but, um, but you get the point, Right? People are just tented all around celebrating. And so when Jesus makes this statement and says, I am the light of the world, they know there's that pillar in the, the courtyard of, that reminds them of the fire, of, uh, the, the fire that comes down and, and um, lit up for them in the desert. They, they remember Jesus or God's first words of the Bible, right? Let there be light, right? They're reminded of the plague of darkness that happened when the Egyptians uh, were... Um, Uh, Not letting the people go, right? They remember um, what it says in in Psalm, right? Where it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Because light brings safety, it brings clarity, it brings um, provision. So they're remembering all of these things. And when Jesus pulls all these stories for them together, their antenna go up and they have different responses, right? And that's where we get to today in our reading. So, They either call him a liar, a lunatic, a legend, or Lord. And so let's read the first section here and see what what they call him at first. It says this, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. They're calling him a liar. They're saying, Jesus, you are not who you say you are. Why are you doing this? Now, this is not a new thing. There have been other false messiahs at that time who claimed to be God, so, so they were used to things like this, but Jesus was a little bit different because Jesus had a big following. Jesus, uh, they couldn't escape him, and, and most of these other people they put to death and, and the, the revolution would end. We know in Jesus' time, they put him to death and it, it kept going and grew even more, but, um, but yes, they're calling him in essence a liar, and this is what Jesus says, Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. Um, you know, in our society today, we have a lot of people that say Jesus is a liar too, right? That, yeah, maybe he's a good moral teacher, but, but he's not really God. He's not really I am, right? And um, I, I think about that, and I think, well, that's kind of a, a dumb statement, right? If you think about it, how could somebody be a great moral teacher, a great teacher, but then flat out lie to you and try to deceive you, right? And so that makes no sense. Jesus either has to be God or he's just a horrible person and teacher and, and, and deceiver in that way. So um, so liar. So he says he's not a liar. Here's our next one: lunatic. Uh, starting at, at verse 19, says this: They said to him, Therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught them in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So basically they're saying, all right, you're talking about your father, but, but where is he? You're crazy. You're a lunatic. Uh, you're, you're, you're saying you have this other witness, but, but he's not even here. You're a crazy man. What are you thinking, Right? And they call him crazy. Here's the thing about Jesus in today's day is that there are people that call him crazy that say, Jesus, he can't be the only way. That's, that's crazy. That's exclusive. That, Jesus, yeah, Jesus should love all. He, yeah, right? God loves all. Therefore, Jesus isn't true, but maybe God is, right? But what's he say? He says, if you knew my father, you would know me too. And he's giving them this, this testimony, this prophecy of what is, what is to come. That, that, yes, they are connected. They are one, but they don't get it yet. They don't understand it, right? A lot of people say Jesus is a lunatic now, but yet his, his teachings have stood the test of time. 2,000 years. Think of any other person whose uh, teachings have stood the test of time. I mean, you may have like Plato or Aristotle or some of those, right? But, uh, but Jesus are the most widely held um, out of all and so they make sense, right? And could a crazy person have good, solid evidence that stands the test of time? That's, that's the question to ask yourself, right? Uh, here's the next one, legend. Is Jesus then merely just a legend? It doesn't address it really in Scripture as much, but it will later on, right? There are some people that would say, well, Jesus was just all made up, right? They, the disciples made this up because they wanted to make themselves feel better. They, they followed this guy, and then when he died... They felt really stupid, because like other messiahs before them, or so-called messiahs, they felt like they were, li- they were embarrassed. They felt that like they were living a lie. But these guys don't do that, right? These guys continue the story, continue the narrative, keep going, even to their grave. And there's, there's uh, many, many things that support that Jesus isn't just a legend, that he actually was a true historical guy, outside writings. Uh, two that I can think of, or three that I can think of, one's Josephus. Josephus was a Jewish historian who wrote about Jesus. Never called him God, but wrote about Jesus, saying he was actually a real person. What would a Jewish historian have to gain about writing about this guy, right? That was going against and threatening their own faith, right? Or think about uh, Tactius. Tactius was a Roman historian who wrote also about Jesus, who would have nothing to gain to write about Jesus, right? Um, uh, The Talmud, which was like the Jewish uh, catechism in a way. also mentioned Jesus, which would also have nothing to uh, gain from talking about Jesus. So we have outside sources that actually talk about this guy was actually real, right? Uh, we have artifacts that countless back up that there was Joseph of Arimathea and, um, you know, uh, King David and all these things that we found and we keep finding more and more that back up um, these biblical accounts, right? We have manuscripts that they're. Uh, there's all kinds of writings. They didn't have copy machines or printing presses back then. So if somebody liked a story, they would copy it down many times and then pass it on. And it would get copied down again and again and again and again and get passed on. And we have popular things like Aristotle and Plato that I mentioned or Homer and his Iliad and all these things that, that um, are popular at that time and passed around and copied. But then we have the New Testament that's copied 10 times more than any of these other ones combined put together. And that's pretty powerful. And I don't know if you would just copy down a story that can be controversial like the New Testament is at times and keep passing around if it wasn't actually true, right? Um, And then this, the authors are not heroes. Think about this. The guys that write the New Testament, you got Peter who who ends up denying Jesus three times or ends up having a lack of faith and falling into the water or pretty much all the disciples who, who didn't believe that Jesus was actually, you know, uh, who he said he was and when he died, they're upstairs just crying, trying to figure out what to do next, right? And these guys aren't heroes and yet they don't change the story. They don't try to convince anybody of that but it continues as that and they continue with this faith showing, you know what? I'm flawed. St. Paul too, who killed a lot of people as well. And then lastly, martyrdom. All of these guys, all these disciples, took this to their grave, right? They, they ended up, uh, all of them except for John, uh, who wrote Revelation in, in, in this book here, um, took this to their grave in, in a way of torture, right? A way of, of uh, extreme uh, pain and death. I don't know about you, but if I uh, believed in some lie and then found it to be false, I wouldn't carry that decades into my life and then die for that, right? Eventually, one of those guys would crack and say, no, 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 this isn't true. And so Jesus can't merely be a legend. He's got to be true. And this leads us to our last point here is that he's Lord, right? He's Lord. Uh, that he actually is the king. That he's the Messiah. That he's the fulfillment. That he is the light of the world. Um, that he guides them. That he illuminates their path. That he, he actually came to this earth as a baby, in one of the darkest times, right, at just the right time to give us hope and to give us light. Um, it's no, it's no um, surprise that, that um, well, Jesus actually wasn't born on December 25th, if you, all right, historians have, have disproved that. He was actually born probably sometime in the springtime, but early in the church, they moved that festival, they moved the, the season of Christmas to, to December um, because that was the darkest month, and they knew that, this was like a festival of light coming into the world, right? And so they wanted to illuminate, and, and you, have, you have Christmas lights and trees and lights on your house, and you've got, you know, back then they didn't have those kind of things, but they had candles, and, and you wanted to have as much light as possible because it was dark and depressing at that time. And so what better thing to, to introduce and to move this holiday, to put it on one of the darkest days, the, the winter solstice kind of area right there, and to say that Jesus is the light, That in the darkest time, we can be reminded that Jesus came into the world to save us. That Jesus came to illuminate, to give light, to give hope, and to give salvation to us. And that's pretty awesome, but he didn't just do that. He also said that he makes us children of light. He does not just give it to us. We don't just receive that. But he actually makes us light bearers as well. Um, because of that, uh, here's a, a verse, I love this, Matthew five twelve, 12, and uh, Jesus is, is talking about how you wouldn't, it says this, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right? What's the point of light if you're going to cover it up? right? You know the song, hide it under a bushel? Come on. Hide it under a bushel? No! I'm gonna let it shine, right? I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, right? And that's what it's saying, is that because we are image bearers in Christ, that we are now little lights. And some of you may be thinking, well, I'm just a little light. But you know what? This light serves a purpose, right? And it doesn't matter if you feel like I'm a bright light or I'm a little light that you have a purpose of illuminating this, this world and making it a brighter place in the name of Jesus, right? Um, this past weekend has been a, a crazy one for our country. Uh, if you followed the news and the, the goings on in, in Virginia and just the protests and the racism and uh, some of the deaths yesterday as well, there's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of darkness. And I feel like we just, as Christians, we can be a light. We can be hope, and we can stand up and say, no, this is not right. We can illuminate the darkness and say, no, this is not how it should be. This is not how we treat human beings and try to illuminate as much as possible some of these dark situations in our world, right? Um, Martin Luther King, Jr. said this, and I love this, that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can drive out darkness, right? Right? Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can drive out darkness. Meaning, if somebody does something bad, and you do something bad to them, and then they do something bad to you, and you go back and retaliate, does that fix anything? No. But darkness can be driven out by showing love, by shining the light on those situations. And that's what, that's what Jesus calls us to when he says, we are children of the light. Children of the light. One more verse to share with you, Ephesians 5, uh, 8. Uh, it says this, for one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, right? Now, here's the thing is, do we produce this light on our own? No. It's been given to us, right? Think about, um, you know, this, this light right here. Does it light up on its own? It doesn't, right? There has to be some source, the electricity, when I plug it in. Think about a candle. Does a candle light itself on its own? No, it has to come from some source, Just like us, we cannot illuminate ourselves, no matter how many good works we have, how much we wish it. God is the one who gives us the light, who puts the light in us so that we can shine, and we just illuminate what he has already done. Um, So this changes everything, right? If Jesus is truly the light of the world, it changes the way we see God. changes the way we see Jesus, the way we see ourselves, the way we see other people change the way we see our world, right? And it starts with God, right? In the beginning, uh, he created light. Think about this. Have you ever realized this? That The very last chapter of the Bible in Revelation 22 says this verse, and I love this. Uh, I think it's up on the screen, yeah. Uh, the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Meaning that at the end of times, We don't know when that is or what that's actually going to look like. But we don't need flashlights. We don't need the sun or the moon to illuminate where we're at. But in heaven, we're going to have Jesus. Because Jesus is the light of the world, he's also the light for us. And that there will be no need for any of that other stuff that he will illuminate. And so you have the very beginning of Scripture starting with light. The very end ending with light. And everything else being about the light of the world and how Jesus comes to give us hope in our dark world. And so I don't know where you're at this this morning or what you're experiencing or or what kind of darkness you may have in your life, Um, but we have the light of the world. We have that. Uh, To give us clarity, to push out the darkness, to expose our sin, to heal our brokenness, to heal our guilt and our sin, and to give hope to you today. Because even just the littlest amount of light can give hope a dark world right have you ever tried to make a room completely dark it's like really hard when i was a kid growing up uh, i used to play this game called sardines with my church youth group Everybody play this game a really cool game. Like, we were in the church building. We'd turn off all the lights, and one person would go hide, and then everybody else would try to find them. And when you found them, you would hide with them until there was only one person left, and that person was like it then because they were the last one to find. Um, so it's like reverse hide-and-seek. And what I, what I loved about this game but also hated is that sometimes uh, in every building or every room you went, there was some kind of light. Like, if we turned off all the lights here and we shut all the windows off, the, the natural light, guess what? We'd probably still have these exit signs that we couldn't get rid of which are good, we need those, uh, but when you're playing sardines, it's not so good because your eyes get used to it, get used to the darkness, and then you start to see light all over. And it's really hard to get uh, in complete darkness, which is amazing in our world because we have the light of the world. And so when we feel like the, the world may be it's at its darkest, we know that there's always light, that Jesus is always with us, and he's always illuminating in the darkest places. So, may he give you hope today. May you be overwhelmed by the light of Jesus' love and mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, at this time, we're gonna, we're gonna pray and just have a moment of silence. We're gonna confess our sins and, and just give up to God some of the darkest parts of our life um, and, and just confess that to him, to, to pray that he would illuminate those things in our life that need light shed on them, but also to illuminate, the parts of our life where we feel maybe hopeless and we need to um, pray for hope and, and, and pray for that. And we're also just going to reflect on, on these words of Jesus, that maybe you may be wrestling with these of, is Jesus really who he says he is? Is he, is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Is he a legend? Or is he really Lord? And to really wrestle with that um, internally. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us the light of the world, that you gave us, Jesus, to come into this dark world to illuminate and to give hope. So Lord, this time we pray um, for our sins, we pray for those dark areas in our life that need your light shed upon them. We ask that you would hear us and you would hear our confession, that you would, um, you would understand that, Lord, as we come to you in our brokenness and our darkness and as you would listen